Good evening, listeners. You're listening to the Next English Podcast. And guess what? I've come to Prague, all the way to Prague, to record another episode for you. And this time, um, I've got on podcast Eva. Hello. And Mark. Hello. And this is not Eva's first appearance. Ooh. I wonder if you have uh, recognized her voice already. She hasn't said much yet. No, I haven't said much yet. <laughs> But I, now I think it's coming back to my listeners. Uh, yeah, hello guys. It's me again. <laughs> Eva was on, on one of the episodes about one year ago. Yeah, about a year was it, ago. Was it called Interview with Eva? Or I don't remember what it was called. An angry called. rant. <laughs> about the Celta, yeah. About yeah. the Celta. Because we did our seltzer together last year, a bit more than a year ago. It was definitely it was much warmer last time was I was here. Because I was in Australia. Yeah. But it was quite a popular episode, I have to say. Okay. And that's that's one of the reasons maybe we are doing this again. Okay. It's nice to know I'm popular with and Stelex podcast listeners. You are. You are a regular now. You're becoming a regular. And listeners, we'll do it again. Yeah. And listeners like sequels, sequels like that. You know. Yeah. Uh, so we, we we should explain now. So Eva is. Is my uh, classmate from the Celta course, and Mark is. I'm her boyfriend Mark. from university. <laughs> who also did a Celta? Oh yeah, who also has a Celta? Yeah. Oh, okay, but you didn't do it here in Prague. I with, did not. No. This is my first time here in Prague uh, okay. on holiday. All right. So, so why did you guys come? I, I suppose you didn't come all the way just to uh, record an episode of the podcast, right? Uh, in I mean, fact, it, no. <laughs> <laughs> we came here just to see you. So. Oh, okay. that's. Well, we're really disappointed you can only give us two hours of well, your time. Well, Prague, Prague's always been... it will be filled with recording a podcast. <laughs> Prague's always been really important to Eva because her granddad is from Prague. Yeah. Um, and it's always struck me as a really beautiful, interesting city. Um, we got a really good deal to come here on holiday, so why not? Yeah. And a good time of year to come. Nice and Christmassy and romantic. Yeah. Yeah. A bit cold, as you said. A little bit cold. First time I saw you. Quite chilly, yeah. It's funny, every time we go inside, we like get really warm, like, oh, it's so nice. You go outside and it's immediately, it feels like you're in the Arctic or something like that. Yeah. It's very cold this week, I know. And last week it was, it was warmer. But it's sunny, at least, so that's nice. And, yeah. Because you remember last time we were here, when we yeah. did the Celta, it was so hot. It was, It was it? so hot, we but were dying. But it was summer. Yeah, no, I know, but it was still really hot for yes. summer. And then we come, next time I come, it's too cold. So I don't know when I should come here, like but maybe in March or something. Actually, actually, this summer I did my Delta. Yeah. So it was one year after my Celta. And, and some memories were coming back about the weather, actually. But this time, it wasn't that, that warm. So it was... But yeah, it was too hot last time. Remember, I wore shorts to 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 teach, and then like Anna, Anna told me off for wearing shorts, and she was like, "Look, I know it's like 30 degrees, but you can't wear shorts to teach." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Used to be our tutor. Yeah, Anna was our tutor at Celta. All right. Just to fill the listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so basically, what's what's happening? This is the podcast, and uh, we can talk just about anything we want, really. <laughs> we can just continue in the conversation we started. Well, we were talking about mugs. Because Mark studies linguistics. I was telling these guys, which is really interesting. Though I'd, I'd like to be able to teach computers to understand English a little bit better. You would like to. You would like to teach computers what? To understand English and other languages better. But don't they already understand English? I mean, there are Google for example, there, there are. We have things like Google Translate, yeah. or on your iPhone, you might have Siri, and you can talk to them. But you can really just ask questions, and then they can give you information. 
based on those questions. But you can't really have a dialogue or anything more helpful than that. But I've seen programs like that, but it's kind of basic. Like, how are you? Exactly. And so it's quite basic at the moment. And I feel like the key to unlocking it is focusing on not the words that we're saying, but the melody of the words that we're saying. The pitch and yeah, the intonation. Exactly. The whole package is really important. Um, and I say I won't bore your listeners with that, but I... I don't think it's a boring topic <laughs> at all. Like, I, it I depends on Eva here. I, I do, because I've heard about his dissertation like 600 times. <laughs> but basically, as I understand, what he wants to do is he wants to teach computers to understand sarcasm. That's how I see it. Well, sarcasm was like a really good example in my dissertation as something that we, we're doing with our pitch and intonation without thinking about it without thinking about it and other humans can very intuitively understand yeah. that we're not being serious we're, being, we're making a joke uh, from, from the UK yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most sarcastic oh, yeah. <laughs> that's difficult sometimes when you're speaking to a foreigner and you say something sarcastic and they don't realize when you're like oh that's fascinating and you don't know what to do like, yeah. should I explain it should I not because my mum is Indian uh-huh. she finds it really difficult, even though she's been in the UK since the 70s, she finds it really difficult to understand sarcasm. Really? So even now, I can just make jokes, sarcastic jokes all the time, and it just goes straight over her head. <laughs> I do it too, all the time, to his mother. I'm just like, yes, I'd love to help you cook dinner. But that's sarcasm. more about the people as well? Like, once you get to know the people? Yes, yes. It does, it does, I suppose you've been living with your mother easy. since you were born, but still... <laughs> You can still surprise. Yeah, so it's still surprises. I think some of it is probably cultural, though, because there must be a reason why the British have a reputation for being more sarcastic than most other places. Well, like, um, Americans don't really do sarcastic. It might, be, it might be because you guys are, like, very polite. Yeah. And you want, you want to be... I, I think... And we're, when we're first, impolite, you don't even notice. First few words we exchange, like, you, you, you told me, like, how nice this... Cities. I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I know this. This, this comes from a British man. And, then, and so you, you have to compensate. You have to come. I mean, it's very nice. Don't get me wrong, but you have to kind of compensate for it, you know. Maybe. And maybe, maybe you just want to do it indirectly like that, like yeah. implicitly. Little, little jokes. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> I quite like it because, of course, I've been studying the English language for a long time, and I uh, studied at the university as well. So culture studies, all that, and I listen to podcasts and. Uh, Immersed in the culture myself, so I, I get it. Also, like, wit, people don't. wit is quite highly revered in England. Yeah, so I think it's a like sign of intelligence. People. Like, yeah. if you understand sarcasm and if you are sarcastic, it is a sign of intelligence. Like, I'm pretty sure I've read that somewhere. Like, people who are more intelligent are more sarcastic okay. just because it's just like a clever way of being mean, you know? Like you were saying. Like, we're, too, we're British, we're too polite to be mean directly, so we're just really sarcastic. <laughs> I used to get told off like by my parents like more often like because I was being sarcastic yeah. than because I was being rude. They'd be like, you sarcastic? <laughs> See? No. Now you're doing it. <laughs> Very good oh, I just basically I'm always sarcastic because yeah. That's how I remember you. <laughs> Uh, Apart from other things. <laughs> oh dear. I wonder what impression I left on you. <laughs> you must have left a good impression, otherwise you wouldn't be re He did agree to meet me again, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you were the star of the podcast, so what can yeah, I, just, what he's can just I say? He's using me to get more, more <laughs> lessons, you know. Uh, 
you're not the, let's say you're not the only star on the podcast, on the podcast <laughs> but you are one of the stars there yeah. oh, you're the host <laughs> I'm the host yeah. Yeah. happen to be the host it, it's got your name on it, it literally does. so that, that makes it yours so anyway <laughs> where were we? <laughs> we were talking about sarcasm and teaching sarcasm uh, to computers yeah, because, yeah we were talking about Mark's dissertation yeah. Mark's diploma paper which yeah, sounds very exciting I won't go into exactly what the intonation of sarcasm is but you, there have been some examples mm-hmm. during this podcast and it's really it's easy distinct. it's really it's distinct, distinct and, and it's really easy for a human to understand it yeah especially the educated human and mm. yes and if you know the language actually because is, don't you think it's different in different languages is it the same is it universal yeah, it, will, it, it will be it will be language specific so exactly. that's one thing that I um, decided in my dissertation that all these things are language specific um, so making a, uh, asking a question um, in English has a different intonation to asking a question in Chinese. Yeah. For some languages that are closely related, like French and English are quite closely related, the question intonation is quite similar. So it will be language specific, but there are similarities between close languages. Because I was thinking when you said that about intonation, like sarcasm in English is like just flat, isn't it? Like it's a very flat intonation. But like, for example, I speak three languages and one of the other languages I speak is Swedish, which is a very melodic language. And I was just thinking like, how would I be sarcastic in Swedish? And it wouldn't actually be in the same way. It would be more like the way that I, the way that I said it, but like the actual words that I used to say it mm-hmm. rather than rather than the intonation, than so the you, don't intonation. Convey, you don't convey the same the intonation yeah or maybe yeah. like it would be melodic but it would be melodic like going and downwards would you, would, you, would you go into the same amount of sarcasm like when you're it's another interesting question to ask like in, yeah, in, in Swedish would it, be, would it be like I think there's less sarcasm in Swedish sarcasm. and definitely like if I did it it would probably be because I do it in English and would it come down well before no, I think I think it happens very often to me in Swedish that I'm sarcastic and nobody gets nobody it. Nobody gets no. it. No, <laughs> but I think yeah. It must feel liberating in a way, right? Because you can just you know. I yeah, but it's, it's piss people off, right? Yeah, but it's kind of like you know if you say sarcastically, yes, I'd love to go to the park with you, and then they're like, okay, let's go, and then you're like, ah. <laughs> I meant I meant I don't want to go, but okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> lovely. lovely. Yeah, that is a good point. It, it will differ from each language to every language. All of these different things. Do you have a lot of sarcasm in Czech? We do have some, but obviously not as much as you. Yeah. It's quite clear. But it's, it's also kind of specific to, to different people. Like you have people who are sarcastic, and people who are not. You have people yeah, exactly. who appreciate sarcasm, you have people who don't. I, used, I remember my physics teacher. She's like an old woman, and she was quite boring as a teacher. And you couldn't really, you would fall asleep during her lesson. Yeah, you definitely I've had would. teachers like that. Yeah. You definitely would. But one thing I appreciated about her was the way she talked. It was all sarcasm, all around sarcasm, and I liked it. So it's just one example. I had one teacher that was like that. Like he would fall asleep. And now that I think about it, he would also be sarcastic, except he wasn't good at it. So like he would say something and you knew he was trying to be sarcastic, but you kind of looked at him and you were like, no, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not getting it. Like he'd be cool, sarcastic. Be like, oh, I bet you'd all love to study five more pages. As a teacher, it's much better to be yourself than try and be someone, someone else. Not to, to, impress, to impress students. There's 
there's no reason that you well, want if, to invest. If, if, if this is who you are, yeah. then by all means. I mean, sometimes I'm like that. Sometimes I like to make jokes at the expense of actually teaching. <laughs> it happens to me. No, I do it. I do it. But, but, it's, but, in my but it's myself. It's yeah, in my exactly. nature. Yeah. You know? And everybody knows it. So. I mean, so sometimes it's useful to make a joke, to yeah. lighten the mood or exactly. etc. Exactly. Um, I yes. found when, when I was teaching, I was always making jokes about myself. That's yeah, it's yeah. yeah. better like, to do that than take the mic out of the shoot. But yeah, but I read somewhere that like <laughs> every joke that people make, it's always at the expense of someone, so it's always making fun of someone. So in that way, I feel like it's always better to make fun of yourself I'd actually, rather than I'd actually, actually argue, I'd actually argue this is one of your features of British people. Yeah. Self-deprecating humor. Self-deprecating. Yeah. Nice word. This yeah. is. Word of the day. <laughs> <laughs> the word of the day. It's actually a collocation. So collocation of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Zenik because linguistics you tend to abstract even further so you don't have as many um, terminology for different bits of language you try and you try and strip away all of that and just go back to the, the basic features I'm quite surprised that you're saying that because I remember so my university studies that we used to there are tons of terminology but like, it's slightly different as it, when it comes to collocation I remember that we studied that in lexicology lexicology so we, learning, we wouldn't even have lexicology oh, because we had like the, all these linguistic disciplines you know yeah. like pragmatics lexicology syntax pragmatics um, uh, syntax, morphology, we had this. Discourse, we didn't have. I, I wish we had discourse. Because I find that very interesting, but we, we didn't have that. Uh, the phonetics of phonology, those yeah, ones. Yeah, one of my favorites. And that, that was well, my favorite. Video, that like was it. my favorite. I hate phonetics. Really? Just saying. I, I really don't <laughs> like... Should we teach you some IPA? <laughs> yeah. Schwa? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to hear some, I some words with schwa? It's so important for English. Yes, it's so important for English. So the tongue is in the neuter position. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the most common sound in English language, actually. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember, but like, I remember every time that we had to write something phonetically, I'd just be like, Stenic, I don't know how to write this. <laughs> and Stenic be like, oh my god, of course it's like this, you know, and I'd be like, ah. What? I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't even in your group, what are you talking about? No, but I remember when we, we had to do like some homework or something, which was like correction error okay, maybe, or something uh, like maybe that. Maybe I've helped you once, but, but yeah. you were in, in different teaching We were in different groups, actually, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, for me it was um, easy peasy because, I mean, of course I had studied this at uni. So and small. you as well, I was messaging you all the time yeah. as well, like how do I write this phonetically? It's like my boyfriend does linguistics, he knows, I'm doing the self that I mean, that frustrated me, I don't know. I don't know if it frustrated you, but it depends on your pr your own pronunciation, it does. how you'll it does. write it, mm -hmm. which, you know, for example, I learned myself to, one of my colleagues was a French speaker, one was an Irish speaker, an for Irish you, accent. For you, you have, you have an RP accent. I have a normal accent. For you, I don't think it's but, a but for the other teachers, it was like, Could be a... which one do I write? Do I write the Irish accent? They should, they should. 
they should. should. We were taught to write always the British, which what, where, where, surprised where me. Uh, at my university. Oh, okay. Yeah. But at, at Sultan, they explained it to you that yeah. you should write your own accent. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't, doesn't really match it with it. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, it's yeah. pretty strange in, to write but, something. But, but to be honest with you, yeah. to be honest with you, it's fine for me. It's fine when when a teacher has Irish accent. Yeah. Sh- I don't think you should really have uh, a French accent when you're teaching English. I don't think that's right. And I don't think you should write in phonetic transcription your French accent in English. No, that, that, that is I, 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 I go against this to me. If it's native, then probably okay. But if it's yeah. non-native, then you're, you're, you're complicating French. things, aren't you? If you're Canadian French. Yeah. <laughs> Then you shouldn't. Then you shouldn't use phonetic transcription at all. I think you'd probably find that your Canadian accent is uh, would supersede the, your. Yeah. But I found, like for me at least, the students that I was teaching, it was so rare that anybody knew the phonetic alphabet. Anyway, like I, I've never in the like three months that I was teaching, I was never asked to write something out phonetically. I find it useful for me as a tool. Just if I if I hear a word, just to know it for myself. I find it. I, I usually don't write it on, on the board, but just to know it for myself. And I there are actually some students who are familiar with this. Yeah, you yeah. would be surprised. Yeah. And then I know you have books which have this. Like New English Fire is my favorite book. It's good. New English Fire. It's my top top book of all times. And and, and they they have this. Many Chinese students actually uh, are taught the IPA whilst at school in extra lessons. I used did to it, live. Did it help them? I used to live in China. Because, oh, really? They, they, How long? They, it helped them six a little months. bit. Six, six months. months. Oh. Actually, I'm, I'm so, sorry. I've been teaching Chinese for two years now. Like a group of 18 Chinese students. Sure. So I, I must have a similar experience. But like, I, I, but he was teaching children. I was teaching very young children. I found like they they, they were excellent uh, from five till eleven. Wow. Okay. But they were they were excellent learners. Um, they usually had a pretty good attitudes um, they, they were really pushed hard by their parents which probably helped but yeah a lot of them knew IPA because obviously they don't have an, an alphabet you teach in the traditional sense IPA you did um, no so certain students if they wanted extra lessons I would help them out and often if they want extra lessons they're quite serious about learning English and so they know the, the, the good thing about uh, learning language at such a young level is this according to this critical age hypothesis um, yes. um, your organs like the internal organs the articulatory organs and what have you um, uh, are not shaped yet so you can you can bend them you can, you're quite flexible but when it comes Like when the puberty comes, that's that's when after, after, when you reach this limit, that's when you're no longer able to, to yeah, pick up the, the the accent. From four to seven is the peak, and then it's 18, It like your language learning ability. Falls I, off I heard it's like 13, 14 years old. It's the peak. Yeah, uh, not the peak. Like the, the deadline or the, 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 the limit. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we talked about it on the last podcast, but yeah, I speak three languages and I learned all those languages when I was a child, like four to seven, like Mark yeah. was saying. So English, Swedish, and French, and all of those languages just feel very natural to me. And then when I was about 14, I started learning Spanish and I've been so 
learning it for what seven years and I still can't speak it you know which is crazy because I spent less time than that learning Swedish English and French and I have no problems with that at all like even if I don't speak it for a while it comes back so quickly but but it's possible like to to get all the vocabulary and even grammar structures if you really push yourself if you Um, make a lot of effort. Yeah, but, yeah, I never have the time. It's much more difficult with the pronunciation. No. Much more but, but you're having to force yourself to learn that as an adult, whereas as a child, you're just you're like a sponge, just taking in all this information yeah. and then using it without any problem. That's right. But which what is just amazing. Mm. But what I'm trying to say is like physiologically yeah, yeah, yeah. impossible. Oh right. To, 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 yeah. to pick up the accent, the yeah. accent, yeah. The, the, the sounds, the individual sounds. Yeah. You know what I've always wondered about is that actually my Spanish teacher. She would always tell me that English is my best language, but she would always tell me that I had a Swedish accent in Spanish. So I sounded Swedish when I spoke Spanish, even though English is my best language by far. I, I, just, I always thought that was very strange. So maybe like what you were saying about the physiology, like maybe it's similar when you use it in Spanish and Swedish, and that's why it sounds like that. Maybe the sounds are similar. I don't yeah. know. No, 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 no. What's, what's, what's uh, Spanish is a romantic language. Yeah, it's a romantic language. Rom- so it would be language. it would be closer to French, if anything. But I don't sound French when I speak Spanish. Yeah. I sound and, and, Swedish. And Swedish is closer to, to English. It's a Germanic language, right? Yeah. But then the pronunciation of um, French and Spanish is very, very different. Of course it is, yeah. Despite having many words that are almost the same, the pronunciation is really, really different. Well, especially when you have words that are the same, they're completely like if they're literally written the same. Yeah, it's they're completely, they're pronounced completely different in the two languages. Okay, so I'm, I'm quite interested in your in your Chinese adventure. If you could talk about that, I might have some Chinese listeners actually. So okay, so cool. Can you, can you so tell us a bit more about it? Like when did you? So when old were you when you? I was 18. I just finished school. 18. Yeah. Wow. And I decided that I wanted to take a gap year because I didn't know what I wanted to go to university, but I didn't know yeah. what to study or where, etc. Um, so. I took an interview and got a job teaching English in China, right. teaching young learners. Without in, any qualification? Any teaching no, qualification? No, well, a high school qualification. Then you did like an online CELTA. Ah, I did an online CELTA, but that was sort of whilst I was preparing to go to China and also whilst I was in China, I was still studying for the CELTA. But this, this was like the biggest joke of a CELTA because... They'd expect you to study by yourself. They sort of just send you readings, and then every now and then you'd have to do like a multiple choice quiz. And then I passed all. Of it. But wait a minute, but it's not the real certificate. No, it wasn't a real certificate. I got sent a certificate, but it's not. What's what was it called? Uh, it, it was the only place that accredited it was called the Better Business Bureau. It wasn't accredited by um, Cambridge or anything like that. So I guess it was better than nothing. Yeah, I I, I assume it was just for the company that employed me to show that, yeah, okay, he has some kind of qualification. So where did you teach in a... I was teaching in a primary school in Tangshan, which is a town about... 50 minutes on a train from Beijing to the to the east. Okay. Um, it's a very industrial city. Um, not a very famous city in the grand scheme of things, but seven million people live there, so it's huge. It's almost as much as the, the whole Czech Republic. Exactly. <laughs> like China is that kind of place. That you just you have a random city that's small, but it's got that many people. Um, and of the of the you know that many people, there were like maybe 10 or 15 foreigners. Like it, it was very 
Chinese. Yeah, very Chinese. A huge culture shock for me because it was completely different from the Western world, really. So how did you manage to get by in terms of the language? Language was really difficult because they didn't really speak any English other than, oh, okay, or uh, hello. Which is quite, quite good. Or, they, they, they just say okay. Like it's positive, positive it's feedback, positive, positive response. It's positive and nice. Yeah, but like, <laughs> Not very useful. Okay, no. <laughs> so I remember... So if you, if you can't see this, listeners, Eva is shaking her head. <laughs> <laughs> Saying no. <laughs> just, just to I remember that. very early on having to do lots of miming of things. Even to just get home or get a taxi home, I would have to give them a like a landmark so I'd often say McDonald's in a heavy Chinese accent and try and you know signal with my arms you know the McDonald's logo etc what about the did you use a mobile phone or some kind of technology some translating device no I had a very rubbish mobile phone so I couldn't do that rubbish mobile phone like that but I took it upon myself to learn able you know, survival Chinese very quickly. So, so you, did you actually learn the characters as well, or just as just the speaking? Just the speak, just the speaking. The characters are extremely difficult. So, so, so how many? So, so, can we just say approximately how many words? How many Chinese words? No. Like no, because because well, element, let's no. say elementary student of English would no, be like 1,000 words, let's say. Elementary? I don't know that much. Well, actually. It's about 1,000 words. It's Ele- elementary student. I think it'd be difficult to quantify it, but maybe, maybe less than maybe less. Maybe, maybe less. less. But by the end of my six months there, I could have a very basic conversation with a taxi driver. Um, I mean, quite early on, I learned enough Chinese to be able to travel to different cities, um, go visit different tourist sites, etc. I just basically learned the phrases I needed to do certain things, like go to the shop, go to a restaurant, travel somewhere. But, but like, so it, it wouldn't be very... It wouldn't have been... If someone told me Chinese, I might not have learned all that, but it was very useful, practical Chinese. So did you learn it by yourself, or did you take some classes? I had a phrase book, and there was a very, very nice family that, like, sort of took me under their wing. And, oh, and so what you mean they took you under, under their wing? Did you, did you live with them? I didn't live with them, no. Um, I used to play football after lessons with the students, oh, okay. and a parent uh, really appreciated that I did that with, with her son, nice. and she used to be an English teacher. I would, I would have done the same. Yeah. <laughs> this kind of person. So she used, to, she used to teach me Chinese um, in return for, for me teaching us. So by, by the time you left, you were able to, to, to say, pass me the ball in Chinese. <laughs> More rice, please. <laughs> More rice, please. But yes, yeah, so it was they, amazing They experience. do eat a lot of rice. This is a fact. So. They do, yeah. Yeah. More rice than noodles. I thought it was a stereotype that Chinese people eat a lot of rice, but then I went to university and I met a lot of Chinese people and they do eat a lot of rice, so... Yeah. yeah, it's funny. At our university, you get a lot of international students, and you'd, you'd sometimes get a kitchen that would have six or seven rice cookers, so you'd, you'd know which international students were in those kitchens. <laughs> so, 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 would you ever want to go back to China, or is it just one time experience? I'd love to visit, I'd love to visit. No. Um, you wouldn't I met some really interesting people, and I visited some amazing places, like crazy amazing places that you wouldn't find anywhere else. I would go there myself because I do have some positive experience with Chinese students. I do like their discipline and their, uh, their commitment. Yeah. And, and I generally like the, their 
they were, the way they are hospitable and just nice and friendly. And Very warm. hospitable. And I, I there was no it. reason why that lady needed to take me in and teach me Chinese, and she she must have cooked hundreds of meals for me um, so yeah very hospitable and very I, I, nice. I, can, I can kind of sense that they are honest people and I, I really like that as, as a person yeah. so I would like as, as my plan being to go to China maybe, the only maybe thing one is, day. as a European going there whereas we have access to so much information uh, varied information they don't really have that there because they're state media um, and there's a censored internet um, so they have a kind of slightly more narrow worldview, some Chinese people, um, and it's kind of difficult to reconcile as a European that has... Would you, would, you say, would you say it is changing these days? It's changing slowly, and certainly the younger generation, our generation, is, is part of that, but um, it's still a fair, fair way off, I feel. For example, my colleagues... You know the famous picture of the, the man with the shopping bags in front of the, the tanks uh, in Tiananmen Square? Uh, it's, well, it's very famous in the UK, and they, they had never seen it, and I, you'd assume that that would be well-known in China, except for censorship. So they I do a very the good job. I experience with, with the Russian students that I taught as well, like several of them, because like, we taught in London summer schools, and international students were coming from abroad. And a couple of the Russian students, like... We were talking. I think we actually did talk about Putin, and and they were like, and one of my Russian students, she was like, oh my god, everybody in Russia sees Putin as a god. But then since I've come to London, like my whole worldview has changed because I realized that what we see is like such a tiny amount of what is out there. And it just makes you realize how lucky we are to to come in a society where like we can go on the internet and we will find. And we can question anything. everybody. I don't think it's that simple. Like just to say it's all bad or it's all. It's oh no, I'm not it's saying. Just, I'm not saying it's that. Just, it's good to to be exposed. Yeah, yeah. To different views. Or at least have the choice to access Have a choice and be exposed to... Oh, yeah. I'm not saying, like, um, Russians yeah. or Chinese people have really closed world views or something. I'm just... It's what they have but access I, I, I to. I agree with you. They don't have the choice yeah, to... But she was like, you know, yeah. since I've come to London, like, I've realized there's, there's a lot more out there. And it, like, you know, it's made me open my mind a lot. Exactly but that's what traveling does One of the most difficult yeah. things for me as an 18-year-old to travel to China is, you know, I've been brought up in a generation where everyone's on social media and I didn't have access to that whilst I was in China because it was all censored. So I'd only, I only had Skype. So I could Skype, you know, my close friends and my family. Imagine but it was, without Skype. I mean. Yeah, but without Skype it would have been nothing. But like, you know, not being able to see what my friends are up to on Facebook, that, that is quite a big difference. Mm. And it's kind of sad that I but place so much be. importance on that mm. without even knowing. But yeah. Yeah, can I have another one? Sure. So guys are now ordering the second round of beer. Uh, um, we're drinking different types of beer here. I can't, I can't even describe it. There's we're at a place a called Illegal Beer, which yeah. is just exciting. The yeah. place is called Illegal Beer, which is exciting in, in itself. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm drinking a lager, which is a classic British word so for a light... It? It's yeah. a light beer. Light beer. Yeah. So like. So what do you mean light beer? Like not so much alcohol or no, no, me. not like. Still a good amount of alcohol, but it's just like you know you have dark beers. Yeah, it's less dense and probably yeah a little bit less strong. But it's like the difference between like a lager and an ale. So an ale is like when you taste it, it's very strong flavor. But lagers, 
lagers are a bit boring because they all taste the same but, but it's refreshing yeah and you can mix it with lemonade and then it's really nice and I remember from my English times I used to live in England and, and you, you guys really drank a lot the snakes bite <laughs> I, can't, I can't forget it I was about I was about I suppose your age and I went clubbing and, and you were about 21, 20 right? Yeah, 21, 22. So that I used to live in England and, and, and we went clubbing and that was like the special, special the it's a very snake Brit- spice. It's a very British drink. It's just that's, snake that's, bites. That's, that's a really good... Ah, it's snake bites. Snake bites. Snake bites. Which is cider with a little bit of squash. No, 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 it's black cider, cider and black beer yeah, with black currant. Black currant. So it's cider, yeah. beer and then black currant. But squash can be any, any type of... Yeah, but it's normally black currant. Is it? Yes, yeah, yeah, it's orange squash. Orange. Yeah, but I would say if I just asked for squash, it would be a black currant that I'm expecting. Maybe. Um, at least one thing you can do it order at bar you can say beer and black or beer and black and, they and then the black means black currant squash oh, okay. so if you yeah. if you said beer and currant it would sound a bit weird that would sound a little bit weird <laughs> <laughs> well because also there are lots of different currants <laughs> like it's a current beer please can I have a current beer <laughs> but it also depends on which bar you are like for yeah. example recently I got really into ordering a lager top do you have any idea what that is no so a lager top is a lager topped with a little bit of lemonade ah. in London everywhere you go if you ask for a lager top they'll know what you mean but then I was visiting my sister in Cambridge and I asked for a lager top and they were like what, what is that I don't understand <laughs> so I guess it, it just depends in which yeah, like city I, or region you are how you order your drinks Czech people would frown upon this yeah, totally like Any, anything you put in the beer is wrong <laughs> it is beer and it should stay beer but um, yeah but they do sell they do sell styrofoam and lemon or something like in the UK they don't I, I suppose it happens in the UK they don't sell wrappers they just top the beer with lemonade because what's the point of paying it's like fla- flavoured beer but they wouldn't I don't think I don't think I don't know maybe uh, maybe uh, I'm not well versed in this but see I met a Czech man on holiday um, and I was explaining the the drinking culture we know that in UK we have this thing called binge drinking where you drink as quickly as you can yeah. to get really drunk. To get drunk, that's the only and reason. And that, that's the only reason. Yeah. Whereas in, in the Czech Republic, you guys would probably come to a beer hall or to a pub and you would drink quite a few pints of beer. So you're not drinking really strong things, but it's but then you do get pretty drunk, but it's over quite a long time. But I was told that you would drink something like... For a Czech man, if he drinks six pints, people are a bit confused because he shouldn't. He's not drinking enough. And I, I then I'm not definitely drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking six pints is quite a lot of pints. <laughs> I can do like four or five. Maybe. But I don't know. It seems to me like the UK is one of very few countries where people actually drink with the sole purpose of getting drunk, like in a very like widespread way like in the UK you go out, like all the students are drinking to get drunk, whereas in other countries like you drink, but the aim isn't to get drunk it's to have a nice time, have a nice time. rather than to just end up throwing up in the streets in Europe, um, drink is heavily associated with food and you'd have drink with lots and lots of food, I know my Russian friends they, they all do that, they have lots and lots of food with vodka 
and therefore they don't get quite as drunk because they're eating nice things. Whereas in the UK, if you that. know you're drinking in the evening, you would deliberately skip dinner so you would get drunker later. <laughs> seriously, stupid things like that. No, seriously, this is a thing. <laughs> And this is what I'm saying, like... Or you mix know. your drinks to make a really disgusting concoction, uh, like a horrible cocktail. So, guys... To get you more drunk. <laughs> just, just just, to remind everybody, we are listening to the Next Engage podcast. And right, right now we are getting a nice insight into British culture, into British drinking culture. And we are talking about binge drinking, a ph- phenomenon... Which, um, it's very common, especially among students. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's getting. I mean, it's. I don't know. I don't like drinking that much anymore. Like, I don't really do it that much. No, But it's because I've seen too many. I've seen too many articles in the newspaper of like people nearly dying because they passed out in the street, yeah. and they were too drunk to wear a coat when they went out, so they nearly die of hypothermia. Yeah. And it's just. Did this? Did this influence you? Yeah, I just. I don't like being that. I like. I. You know. You it's, like it's fun pass, being pass drunk, you. but. I don't like getting that drunk to the point where I pass out or what's the point of drinking so much that you can't remember what you actually did like half the fun is being a little bit drunk doing stuff you wouldn't normally do and then waking up the next morning and being like oh my god what did I do rather than oh my god what did I do I actually don't remember (laughs) sometimes happens to me Yeah. Happen to you? Yeah. 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 It has never happened. Maybe once, but uh, I'm just playing. Mark, Mark, Mark sometimes wakes up in the morning really? and I'm like, hey Mark, how was your night last night? And he was like, yeah, it's good, but I don't remember how I got home. And it's just like, oh, okay, well, well done for getting home. And I, m- I normally manage. Yeah. You see, that's a lot to learn from you guys. In this sense, I'm not a heavy drinker no, myself. I, 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 no, I remember last time I was here, you get drunk after like two pints. I get drunk quickly, I think. Which is a blessing in disguise, I think. Yeah, save money. Save money. I save money, yeah. No, but I definitely but, drink a lot less than last time when I saw you, so maybe we're a bit more Sometimes even. I have to admit that I, I um, get taken Mickey out of. Yeah. You know. it, it is ridiculous that you get drunk after two beers. And your check. And your check. I would say three. Okay, let's. You're from the land of. Let's beer. say three beers. Three, three beers. Okay. Yeah, my, my friends, my like football teammates, sometimes make fun of me because of that. Yeah. Uh, football's like. I don't really need awesome. much. Yeah, it's football. People who. Um, people around football they still drink a lot so. yeah it's associated it's do you have a do you know the thing is do you know a lad do you know yeah. this yeah. yeah so do you have like a lad culture with your football friends no it's not the same as you guys no, no. It's, actually, it's actually an annoying thing in the UK most people just, it's, it's everybody except lads majority hate yeah, lads yeah yeah it's yeah. definitely a, a negative no, no. term. Except for, when, except for if you're a lad. Yeah, except for if you're a lad. <laughs> and, and you're proud of it. Yeah, that's yeah. a good thing. But, it's your identity. It's who you are. Exactly. But like, if I told Mark that he was behaving like a lad, I'd, that would be a negative thing. Yeah, yeah but he, he would think it's sarcasm, so he would, <laughs> <laughs> he would know where you're coming from. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what it is. So lad is like a... Uh, uh, so... Doesn't not necessarily a teenager, but a young adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Young adult, loud, loud binge drinker, not very intelligent. Quite obnoxious or rude. Obnoxious, rude, not very intelligent. Yeah. Very, very self-confident. Very narrow, narrow-minded yeah. as well. Yeah. Very self-confident. Spends too much time in the gym. 
Oh, that too. Yeah. Well, they, they like to be really? super strong. Really? Yeah. Lots of rugby, I didn't know that. Rugby, do you know rugby? And, yeah. yeah. Well, lots of rugby players are blacks. Really? Yeah. Oh. I didn't know that. No, it's definitely it's definitely associated with sports culture, but it's also got like really negative com- uh, connotations because like. A lot of um, sports societies in the UK, like university sports societies, get associated with stuff like um, date raping people and stuff like that. So, like, lad, if you're not a lad, can have a very negative conversation because it means you're the type of person who would just go to a club and, like, get a woman and, like, drag her home with you. Yeah, yeah, like, a lad is definitely a guy who just starts hitting on a woman and doesn't stop, like, ever. Doesn't have any class. Yeah, yeah. And doesn't realize, like, no means no. So yeah, not in a not necessarily like in a you know take her home and rape her kind of way, but just in the like I don't want you to flirt with me kind of thing. The kind of country <laughs> where they pull more than they have to. That is so. That is so, so Mark is just pointing out to the fact that he got more beer than than this line is showing here, and half a liter line is showing here. So wait a minute, what's what's a pint? A pint is more than that, right? No, it's less. Oh, right. pint is zero uh, point four. It's four hundred and sixty-eight milliliters. Yeah. 460 Saying, like, no, so the pub we're in now is kind of off the main road, and because then it was like it's less expensive than the ones on the main road. And for us, even in the main road, it's not that expensive. Yeah. It's actually true that some of your compatriots unfortunately have bad reputation of coming here and drinking, and, and, yeah. And I think it must be those guys you were talking about, the lads, the lads, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, it's a it's a lads a trip. A popular to thing to do is to come to this, to come to either the Czech Republic or actually more commonly Slovakia. And to put your stag do. Why Slovakia? Because it's slightly it's even cheaper. Oh, okay. Even cheaper to get flights there and even cheaper to drink there. Um, you come in your stag do, you get drunk as much as you can for about five days and then come home. And That's it's true it. that those people like lads lads on tour, as they call themselves, be like, yeah, lads trip, lads on tour. And they they do really have a bad reputation. And in all countries, but like I, I, no I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there are so many of you here anyway, so it's not that bad. I think I'm it's just, I'm just saying it's, yeah. they know they know about you guys here. Yeah. But like in, in, in other countries, like other Eastern European countries, like Mark was saying, um, it is really like a thing that people just go there to get I remember I was I've never been to Bratislava properly but I've been to the airport uh, when I was visiting Vienna and I remember on the way back just seeing lots of really hungover men just sitting there just so you could make in pain yeah. and I, all, all they were doing was coming there to drink and then go home oh, which no, I think is a little bit sad yeah when we were in Greece and they're interesting Greece. countries very interesting places to visit so you've just come back you guys have just come back from Greece yeah, yeah we worked in Greece so maybe this is something you can tell them about